Um, wonderfully, we're into week three of the book of uh, Hebrews, or in the Let Us series. And uh, this morning we're going to be in Hebrews 10. But before we get there, there's this theme that kind of pops up again and again in the Bible. And it's kind of summed up in a passage in Jeremiah 31, where God says, And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Have I spelled that? Down here I've spelled it T-H-E-R-E. Their God, not their God. I will be their God and they shall be my people. And they're the echoes and echoes of the sentiment again and again through the scriptures. And I find this pretty amazing. To think that the, the God of the universe, the one who we sung about this morning, who's above and beyond, he's sovereign, he's amazing, that he actually identifies himself with a people. And he, he wants a people. I, I find that incredible. It, 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 initially it was the Jewish nation, this weak, humble nation that he identified himself with. But actually he now identifies himself with us, the church. And I find that absolutely amazing. It comes up again in the book of Re Revelation where we see the following. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. We're going to be with him. He's going to dwell with us forever and ever and ever. Now, this idea of being near to God, having God near to us, can also be a little bit scary. So if you read the scriptures, there are holy guys of old who, when they actually came near to God we see some interesting responses. We, we see people falling down. Like, woe is me. You know, just so aware of their frailty, their brokenness in the light of the glory and wonder and majesty of God. And so there's this complex thing going on because God is so awesome and if you like me, we are so broken, there's this almost sense of like, how does this actually work? But really, this is what the book of Hebrews reminds us of, is that because of the work of Jesus Christ, because of his perfect sacrifice, because he is the perfect priest, because of all these things, we have a way that we can come close and draw near to God. So this is not only possible, but this is something for all of us. This is what we call to, and that's what I'm wanting to remind us all of this morning. So I'm going to pray. Lord, thank you for the invitation. Thank you that despite your holiness, you've made a way for us to come near. And we want to come near now. We'll carry on coming near, but we want to live near to you, Lord. I pray you'd help us with that in Jesus' name. So we're going to Hebrews 10. I'm reading from verse 19. The writer says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for... He who promised is faithful. 
And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, there are two calls here I want to highlight for us. There's this call to draw near, and there's the call to hold fast. Okay, so we need to be a people that draw near to God, but then we need to be a people that hold fast. And whenever you come across a therefore, you need to ask what it's there for. That's what I was taught. And this is based on the wonderful truths of chapter 1 through 9 of this book of Hebrews. And uh, that's where we, where we see what Jesus has done, how Jesus has paved this way for us, how we can come confidently because he is the perfect priest. He was the perfect sacrifice. There were all these Old Testament sacrifices pointing forward, and Jesus came and fulfilled all of that. And uh, because of that, we have a high priest who is our go-between. He's made this perfect way for us to follow. And so, friends, let's draw near to him. God wants you to draw near to him. God wants you near to him. That's the invitation for us. We can be friends of God. Think about that. Anthony, friend of God. Tatenda, friend of God. And so friends, what we see here is that not only are we, can we draw near, but we can draw near with confidence. So we don't draw near fearful, like, am I going to be in trouble? Is this going to be okay? No, we can come, just like my kids draw near confidently to ask for stuff, we can draw near to God knowing that He's our Father and that He loves us and that He accepts us. The writer says here that He opened the way through the curtain by His blood. Now, what he's referring to there is in the Old Testament, in the temple, there was a place called the Holy of Holies. And it was divided from the public area of the temple by this massive curtain. Very high, and it was very thick. And what happened on the day when Jesus was crucified, you can read about in the book of Matthew, is that this, this curtain was ripped from top to bottom, not bottom to top. There were no press studs that you could pull in. Da, 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 da. No, it was ripped. God ripped the curtain of this temple. And uh, this was symbolizing that the way into the Holy of Holies was now open. This is, this is amazing. Because, you know, you couldn't just go in there. That was the place where the presence of God was. I couldn't just rock up there and say, hey, I just want to come check it out. I want to come see what furniture you've got going on in it. No, no. It was the high priest once a year. And they tie a rope to him. So that if God strikes him down, they pull him out by the rope. And what's God saying now? Because of the blood of Jesus, the way has been opened for us. It's a, it's a physical sign of a spiritual reality. It's an outward sign of what has happened in the spiritual realm. And so now we can walk in. I can walk in and come check the furniture out. I, come and, I can come into God's house and have a look. I look around and I can go into the bedrooms even. You go check what the ensuite looks like. You know, it's a bit rude to do that when you go, your friend's got a new house. I don't know if you've ever done that. You go to their new house and they're showing you around their new house and it's all lacquer. And then you get to the bedroom wing and the main bedroom and I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, that looks very nice from the door. I don't really want to go in there. It's not like that with God. He invites us in. We get to go in. The place is open for us to be in His presence. 
This means we get to draw near to God. And this is a spiritual thing. It's not a physical thing. You don't need to do uh, uh, some pilgrimage to go to the Holy of Holies. No. You can encounter the Holy of Holies. It's a spiritual thing. You can come near to God sitting in your car, sitting in your bedroom, sitting in your lounge. And we can come confident, being sure that He loves us, that He's made a way for us. The other thing about this is that when we come to Him and we confess our sin, we can be sure that we will be forgiven. It's not like, well, maybe, you know, hope he's, I hope God's feeling nice today. No, because of the work of Jesus, that's because of His blood, because He's our perfect go-between, we come to Him knowing that He will forgive those who truly repent. This is a new way. The old way of operating, the old covenant is over. You know, the Jews had a lot of rules to keep. They had a, a lot of animals to slaughter year after year after year after year. There's a new way. Jesus ushered in a new way. And it's not just a new way, it's a living way. Because it's not dead animals that are being offered, the blood of dead animals. No, Jesus is alive. Jesus is seated in heaven this morning. Now, right now, He is alive. He is our living sacrifice. And so it's not just a new way, it's a living way. We have a better sacrifice. We have a better priest. And so we urge to draw near to God. Come near to Him. I want to remind you, He's invited you this morning. Draw near to Him. Make a decision in your heart. I'm going to draw near to God. He goes on to say the reason why. He says, because our hearts have been sprinkled clean and our bodies have been washed. What's He talking about there? Well, in the Old Testament times, they would kill these animals and then they would take a, a branch, I think it was hyssop, and they would dip it in the blood and they would sprinkle that blood on everything to purify the objects. And so it, it, it kind of, in a way, it's like a bit gross, right? Blood to purify. But they would sprinkle this blood on the objects to, to purify them. And what's happened is that figuratively Jesus' blood has been sprinkled on our hearts, if you're a Christ follower this morning, if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, your heart has been sprinkled by His blood, which means you, your heart has now been cleaned, been purified. The other thing we see in the Old Testament is this ritual cleansing. So if you touched a dead body, you would have to go through certain cleansing rituals to, to be clean and to be able to go and worship God. And uh, so what we see here is that Jesus has brought real cleansing to us. So, so all that stuff was pointing to the one who would properly cleanse us. So I think when we were singing, someone said something about us having a pure conscience, a clean conscience. I think, sorry, our consciences are now clean because Jesus has cleansed them. It's amazing. And that's why we can draw near, because we've got new hearts and we have uh, been washed of our sin. And so, friends, the commission to us is to draw near. The second thing is, I said there were two calls, draw near, to hold fast. Now, there are two very important components to us holding fast that I want us to look at. It's like a plane with two wings. I don't know if you've ever seen a plane flying with, with one wing. Apparently, it doesn't work that well. Um, but we, we've got these two parts to holding fast that we're going to talk about. But before I go there... There's a, a wonderful piece of literature by J.R.R. Tolkien 
called, uh, anyone? Lord of the Rings. Now, I just need to confess, it took me until adulthood before I read these books because I really dislike fantasy. It's not my vibe. But I think if you've never read this book or this trilogy, it's possibly one of the greatest pieces of literature outside the Bible. It is amazing. And uh, he wrote this to portray something of the Christian life, apparently, a vision of the Christian life. I, I don't know his full story, but that was behind uh, this book. My favorite character in there is a little hobbit called Samwise Gamgee. Now, the story is of Frodo Baggins, Baggins, who's a hobbit who gets entrusted with a ring. And this ring has amazing powers, but it's uh, very dangerous because if it falls into the wrong hands, the world is doomed. And so the story is an adventure of how little Frodo Baggins, who is a weak hobbit, so he doesn't have the power of people who can fight with swords and do cool stuff. And he has to deliver the ring into a fire so that it can be destroyed. Am I right? You uh, Tolkien fans. And uh, this is the story of the book. Now, the reason I love Sam, Sam is the, 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 the larger guy in the picture there. Sam has a purpose in the journey. And Sam's purpose in the journey, so he goes with Frodo, he has two roles. The first role is to remind Frodo of the purpose of the journey. And the second role is to be his friend. Is to be his friend. And uh, he even carries Frodo at the end because Frodo gets tired. And, and, and Sam has to carry him to the last part. Now, what Tolkien was trying to communicate here about the long and challenging walk of faith. And if you've been a Christian for 40 years... You know, this is a long and challenging walk of faith. I've been a Christian for more than 20 years now. It's a long and challenging walk of faith. If you've just recently become a Christian, it's not a sprint. It's more like a marathon. And so what uh, Tolkien was trying to show in this, and in the character of Sam Ganji, there are two key principles embodied in, in this dude, in this little dude. Firstly, he holds fast to his belief about the purpose of the mission. He holds fast. This is why we're doing it, Frodo. This is why we've got to keep going. This is what is at stake. The future of the world is at stake. We keep going. The second thing I mentioned already, he was a friend. He was a companion that went down the journey with Frodo. And so what he brings is the reminder that we need to hold fast to truth and we need genuine community. And this is exactly what the writer of Hebrews is talking about in these next few verses. He's talking about the need for us to hold fast to truth and to have genuine community. He says, hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. Why? Because he who promised is faithful. We sang about that earlier. He is faithful. Now your confession is what you believe. So if I say, what is Scalo's confession? It's what does Scalo believe to be true? What is, what is his confession of faith? What, what does he believe? If I say, what is Lauren's confession? What does Lauren believe? And we know that what we believe is true because of the one 
who made the promises, the one who told us the truth, the, the faithful one, the faithful high priest, the faithful sacrifice, Jesus, the perfect one. And so we need to hold on to what we believe. Now, when I put that advert up about the advanced theology course, you might be one of those people, and I was like this, where the word theology just gives you like a bit of a negative vibe. It's like doctrine, theology. Perhaps you even bought the lie that you can kind of feel your way to God. You know, it's all about my experience. We need to know the truth about who He is because we need to hold on to that. And friend, if you're going to stay the course of the marathon of this Christian life, you need to know what it is you believe. Why? Because Jesus is faithful and you can trust what He says. You can build your life on what He has said. Application, know what you believe and hold fast. Hold fast onto it. The second thing is this community. He says, stir one another up to love and good work. Do not neglect meeting together. Encourage one another as the end draws near. Let's go through those three statements. Firstly, stir one another to acts of love and good deeds. Remember, guys, it's faith that pleases God. So we to stir one another to acts of faith, bringing good deeds and love to our city, to our community. I, I love watching that video, and I know some of the stories that are, are, of lives being changed by love and, and acts of good deeds in the inner city. It should be here as well. All around us, we should be a people of love and good deeds. And I'm hoping that in your growth group community, you're stirring one another to those things. And, and I, I was, as I was preparing this, I was thinking about some of our growth group meetings. We've got the best growth group ever. But sometimes I just bring complaints and moans. And I was thinking, that's not, that's not stirring my brothers and sisters to faith and good deeds. You know, it's not helping them to live in Joburg with faith. No, we need to stir one another. What, you want to do that? Go for it. I'm behind you. I'm with you. I loved what Simon said last week. It comes out of identity. We don't do good works to impress God. No, because we've been welcomed in, because we've drawn near, because we belong to Him, we love and we act. It's not acting to get acceptance. We have been accepted and so we act. Secondly, he calls them not to neglect their meetings. Don't neglect meeting together. The fact that he puts that in there tells me that we will be tempted not to meet together. Do not neglect meeting together. There's a sacrifice involved in meeting. It means prioritizing us over me. Next time we sing that last song, Claire, tonight, that last song needs to be changed from me to us. Because this is more about us than it is about me. And if your faith is just about me and Jesus, you've got to read the Bible. It's about us. He's about having a people, about having a community, not about having individuals here, there, and everywhere. Does He love you as an individual? Of course, man. 
But we are so individualistic in our thinking. And God's wanting to remind us, no, we're in us. We're in us. That's a problem when we get lots of these songs from, from the West. From America and Australia and these kind of places. Because they, 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 their culture's obsessed with me. We need to bring some Africa into this. We, as a community, are God's people. See, there's a sacrifice in gathering. It means prioritizing community over me. It means you don't get to organize everything around what suits me. I have to miss stuff that I want to be at because actually I'm prioritizing community and there's a preordained time and place where I need to be at something. Now, the COVID journey has shown me how important our gatherings are when we couldn't do this. And I'm not just talking about Sundays, I'm talking about growth group. I'm talking about us being the people of God. You gathering with, with our fellow believers to encourage one another to love and good deeds over coffee on a Friday morning, whatever it is. But you don't just come to gatherings for yourself. Learning one. Because when you don't come, we all lose out. When you're not in that room, we all poorer. We don't get your gift. We don't get who you are and what you bring. Secondly, there's a lot going on in our gatherings beyond the obvious. That's, that's the biggest COVID learning I realized. You know, sometimes you can think of a Sunday morning, you think, oh, there's a, a bit of singing, there's a, someone doing notices, there's a, someone bringing a testimony, there's someone um, bringing a, a, a preach, there's, you know, the, the, okay, those, there's those five things happening. What I realized in COVID is there's much more going on. There's much more going on. God uses the chats. He uses the, the moments of touching base, of encouraging one another, of sharing a story, sharing a pain. The joy of serving together. Man, we don't realize how important that is for our own souls as much as for the person next to us. Baptism, man. I can't wait to be doing baptisms again because I don't know about you, when I come to see someone get baptized, my faith is like stirred up. It's like, yes, God's saving people. Finally, we see we to encourage one another. And he says, why? Because the day is coming. The journey is nearly finished for us. For some of us, we're closer to the end than others. I'm closer. All of us are closer to the end than we were yesterday. We're all closer. Closer to that day, that day when we come before our Master and our King. And just like Sam, Samwise, love that name. Just like Samwise does for Frodo, we need to help one another keep going to the end so that we all finish strong. We, we don't just have like sorry blazing a trail and, you know, timber blazing a trail, but no, we all together, we want to finish strong, which requires us to encourage one another. Keep going. Charles, don't quit. It's not over. Hey, don't quit. Adolf, don't quit, bro. Keep going. We used to sing this song in the 90s. Uh, a song called Bambalela. Does anyone know Bambalela? You remember that song? I'll tr I'm very bad at singing. 
But that was someone sang it there. Bambalela, kuchesu bambalela, bambalela. You know what the words are? Hold on, hold on to Jesus. And it's not a song you sing with your eyes closed and your arms up. It's a song where you look in one another's eyes. You look at Anton Carey and you say, Bambalela, guys. We're praising Jesus, but we're reminding one another, hold on. Hold on to Jesus. It's not over till it's over. Keep holding on. Don't quit. The gospel is true. Hold on to him. I'm going to end there. One thing I missed is I didn't even tell those who are here who wouldn't call themselves Christ followers what this gospel message is. And it's summed up in this. Jesus Christ, Son of God, left heaven to come to our messed up world. And he came and lived a perfect life without sin, without blemish. And then he was killed. He was murdered on a tree. Christians celebrate that at Easter. You might think it's weird to celebrate a death. Well, the reason we do is because that death was in our place so that those who believe in him may have their sins forgiven. There's this exchange that takes place where he was killed for all our wrongdoing so that we go free for all his non-wrongdoing. It's phenomenal. It is the greatest offer ever. And if you here this morning, you've never heard that message, you think Christianity is about doing stuff, about being nice, about having less sex or something like that, I want to tell you, it's nothing like that. Christianity is the best deal ever. Jesus did everything and you receive a free gift of life by receiving his offer. That's what Christianity is about. It's not about do's and don'ts. It's about receiving a gift of life from Him. And uh, this morning we're going to be sharing communion right now to finish, which reminds us of the price that He paid. He was that perfect lamb killed in our place so that we get to go free. And so um, we're going to do communion a bit differently here. I've, I've put a liturgy together, which is very simple. We're going to gather in groups. We're going to stand up. We're going to take our communion cups. And one person in the group, the first person is going to say, Lord, well, thank you, Jesus, for opening a way for us to be made right with God. I'm going to leave this on the screen. You don't need to memorize it. Bravest person, you start. We pray that prayer. Second person, guys is generic there. Now you're talking to one another. Second person, eyes open, looking at everyone in the group. Guys, let us hold on to Jesus. He is faithful. His word is true. We can believe it. And this meal is a reminder that we have become brothers and sisters by his sacrifice on the cross. Third person, amen. So, so third person's easy. You just say amen or amen, however you like to say it. And then you eat and drink together. Okay. So let's try this. Let's stand up. Let's get into um, groups of three or four or five or six. As long as it's more than three, because we need three different voices.